Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Hope you're having a good day. Thanks for joining us. A lot of people in agriculture excited about the prospects of selling more to China. We're still waiting for details, but it sounds like the door is really opening even wider than it has in the past. We will see. We're going to talk about market reaction or perhaps even overreaction to it as we'll talk with Steve Nicholson, grains and oil seeds analyst for Robo Research. Just what is the, the potential impact of this uh, news on the markets? We'll talk about it with Steve. Big event coming up in Dallas in a few days, the World Meat Congress. We're going to have coverage right here on Adams and Agriculture. We'll get a preview of that event today with Phil Singh, CEO Emeritus of the U.S. Meat Export Federation. Well, the news still not too encouraging right now on NAFTA. This could go on a while, it seems. We're going to talk with Sean Haney from Real Agriculture in Canada, get a Canadian perspective on how the talks are going. But right now, we start things off with Chris Clayton from DTN. Chris, thanks for joining us. Let's talk about this uh, hot China news that has everyone so excited. Uh, We're excited, even though we don't know all the details yet. Yeah, there was a great deal of enthusiasm yesterday, and uh, yeah, you certainly saw it on the market, particularly when it came to uh, came to soybeans jumping up in price. Uh, so this was an interesting day, but um, you know, there was Ted McKinney was actually in you in China, and he kept really repeating, you know, very cautiously optimistic. <laughs> He, he, he was not overly optimistic. He was cautiously optimistic of, uh, of what was going on. Yeah, you have to be careful because the expectations can get so high that uh, the actual event might be uh, uh, somewhat less than that and people be disappointed. But uh, the, the potential, anytime you're talking with China, you're talking about such huge potential. It gets people worked up. Well, and it's interesting because the reaction uh, within agriculture has been different than the reaction within other industries and also in what the Trump administration was really actually trying to accomplish. The, 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 the fight here was all about, supposed to be about intellectual property, future technology, uh, manufacturing, and um, all of that is still really up in the air. Uh, nothing has really changed there. Um, you know, China said they would agree to buy more energy products from us, buy more agricultural products from us. Uh, the president tweets out about agriculture, so we see basically a little bit of euphoria, you know, a little bit in agriculture. But you're not really seeing that among other reactions to uh, to what's what's happened so far. Yeah, so we'll wait and see how this plays out, but uh, at least there's some hope there. We're talking with Chris Clayton with DTN. Meanwhile, we uh, will wait a while, Chris, uh, on the farm bill. Uh, we learned yesterday that uh, they're going to be there'll be an immigration vote in the House first, and then later in June, in June, there'll be a vote on the House bill. And the thinking is get the immigration vote done, then enough members of the Freedom Caucus that voted against the farm bill last week, this time will vote for it enough to get it passed. Yeah, that's uh, the, the rationale there. And, you know, they, the Freedom Caucus basically kind of held the farm bill hostage, so to speak, last week. They, they weren't satisfied with commitments to vote on immigration. 
alone. So basically, they're holding the farm bill and saying, you know, what, we'll uh, we'll release these votes on the farm bill once we have our debate on immigration. And and the immigration situation is far more complicated than just the Freedom Caucus because you have so many splinters within the GOP about what to do on immigration. Um, you have moderate Republicans, you have uh, the Democrats, and you have the Freedom Caucus wanting a vote on more restrictive immigration measures. Then you have some other conservative Republicans like Steve King who don't want to see anything done at all. They, he believes that even the uh, more conservative um, measure on immigration is still too lenient. Um, so there's a lot of splinter there, and everybody believes that their lot will be improved in midterms by having some sort of vote on immigration that, that goes along with their perspective. Reminds us again how difficult it is to pass a farm bill these days because uh, as much as we'd like to talk crop insurance and ARC and PLC and CRP and those kind of things, what it came down to was immigration and food stamps. Uh, that's what kept it from getting passed this time. Yeah, um, and Colin Peterson on the uh, Democratic side still being, says, you know, you guys change what's going on with SNAP, and uh, I'll get you a whole bunch of Democratic votes. Uh, but uh, they don't want to do that. It's interesting the way the House wants to function on this because they, you know, they know this bill as it's structured, it will not pass the Senate in any way, shape, or form this way. What the Senate Ag Committee does is going to be very different, uh, but um, there's a lot of um, stubborn mewling up in the uh, in the House in different ways, and uh, they're determined that they're going to pass it this manner um, and, uh, and also have this fight on immigration as well. A lot of drama to come. Chairman Conway will be on with us tomorrow, by the way, to talk more about it. And finally, NAFTA, that drama just continues. Looks like this may play out a while yet. That's what uh, Wilbur Ross and uh, Steve uh, Lynchon, um, said yet have, have said over the last couple of days that this will carry out in the 2019. And, and I don't understand why anybody didn't really expect that. Um you know, this was going to be a long, complicated process. Uh, a lot of can of worms were opened up when uh, the renegotiation of NAFTA. Ag is still pretty much a small part of that. You know, we still have the, the situation, particularly dairy and a few other products wanting to go into Canada, but we're still kind of a small aspect when it comes to all of the other issues, particularly when it comes to automobiles. And manufacturing, um, everybody uh, and trying to raise wages, so to speak, in uh, in Mexico. Um, so there's a lot out there to uh, to be dealt with, and I think it really works for both Mexico and Canada to just continue to uh, to drag it out farther. And real quick, uh, Chris, we we mentioned drama. The drama at EPA continues around Scott Pruitt. Yeah, you know, I don't think anybody's really paying a whole lot of attention to this uh, latest situation, but uh, it has the potential to be uh, a huge uh, stifling of um, ethanol demand in the future. And that is the notion that uh, 
EPA has got a rule that they have submitted to the White House Office of Management and Budget that would uh, basically prevent any fuels above E15 to go in cars that are not flex fuel vehicles. So E20, E30, E40 um, would be problematic. The, the, the problem here is not the vehicles today and what is happening. The problem is five years from now. If you want to have a vehicle that has uh, higher um, fuel economy, it demands higher compression values, higher compression. And the only way to get that is either a higher ethanol blend yep. or higher, you've got to have higher octane. And if you're going to restrict ethanol to E15 if it's not a flexible right. vehicle, then you're limiting, you're capping basically uh, biofuel like production it. and use. Yeah, we don't like those caps. All right, Chris, thanks. We're out of time. Appreciate it. Thank you. Chris Clayton with DTN. All right, guys, we're ready for our four-season sunroom, and Daddy's going to get a rec room with refreshments. Oh, no, we'll be sleeping under the stars. Mom, what about the one with, you know, the fun? Nice try, little bro. It's a gym, my gym. Hey, Grandma's getting her Four Seasons garden room, weather tight and still like being outdoors. Maybe a living room. Oh, no, wait, a family hub. Yeah. No matter what the budget, the season, or the climate, Four Seasons Sunrooms let you and your family enjoy the outdoors inside. Call now to hear more about these great offers from the premier manufacturer of sunrooms since 1975. More reasons for Four Seasons now. The mighty Prosoro, king of fungicides. Its fast action and long residual make it the keeper of grain quality and yield. The hammer of head and leaf diseases. The number one reducer of scab. When your goal is greater wheat quality and higher yield, use Prosoro fungicide, and the crown of higher profit will be yours. Learn more at prosoro.us. Always read and follow label instructions. Thousands of people contact InventHelp monthly about their invention or new product. Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Call InventHelp now. Best of all, the call and information are free. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential, explaining every step of the invention process. Join people just like you who made the call to InventHelp. You have nothing to lose. The call and the information are free. Call 800-352-1402. That's 800-352-1402. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I'd wake up with a sore neck or maybe a headache, or I'd feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. Well, when I invented my pillow, I wanted it so you could adjust the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster, and you will stay there longer. It's not how much time we spend in bed. It's how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all my own manufacturing in my home state of Minnesota. I have a 10-year warranty. And you can wash and dry my pillow. And here's my best offer ever. Get four my pillows for the price of one. That's right, get four my pillows. Two premium pillows and two travel pillows for the price of one. Order my pillow at 800 871 7280 and use promo code 
farm 11 get four my pillows for the price of one call 800-871-7280 and use promo code farm 11 go to mypillow.com and at checkout use promo code farm 11 information america's farmers and ranchers need to know adams on agriculture now back to mike adams all right, so the big news, the trade war with China's on hold. China's going to buy more ag products. There's some reports out there they're going to buy all that we can grow. Let's talk about that with Steve Nicholson, grains and oil seeds analyst for Robo Research. Hi, Steve. How are you? Good morning, Mike. Uh, I'm good. How are you today? Good. It's exciting, of course, anytime you mention <laughs> the possibility of selling more to China, but I think kind of got to tap the brakes, have a little realism in here too, right? Well, yeah, it's kind of like we've said We've talked about this a little bit before, and I, I kind of want, it's like we said when we started this, I'll put trade war in quotes, and now what we're, as you said, stepping back, I think we all need to take a really deep breath. And, you know, this is probably not going to play out the way we think it's going to play out. Um, we don't know really how it's going to play out because there's so many moving parts, and there's, there's so, it's such a fluid situation. And I think we just need to, everyone, take a deep breath and sort of, kind of think this through yeah we don't want to just pour cold water on it because certainly no. this news is better than the news we've had in recent weeks certainly right. with with talks of tariffs and all that but it's just you got to have some kind of realistic uh, picture here and not get you yeah. know too too far out in front of your skis here on this right right exactly and i think let's you know let's step back a little bit and think about you know china and you know all the things that they're doing and all the things that have been said back and forth I mean, first of all, it's easy for China to kind of make these, to rattle these sabers right now because they're not buying many beans from the United States, and they're buying them from Brazil. This is Brazil's time of the year to, you know, shine if you have it or ship beans to, to South America. You know, when we get in the fall is when the U.S., you know, turns around and we peak uh, exports in, you know, mid-October. So there's, you know, we've got this several months here for this to kind of work its way through. I mean, the other side is don't, I, one of the things I learned, going to China and being with traders and stuff in China, they're the smartest traders in the world. So don't ever forget that they're pretty, you know, they're pretty smart and they're not going to cut their nose off, bite their face. So, you know, they're going to figure out how to make this work. You know, I think they're also going to try to figure out, as we know in the Asian culture, you know, it's, it's very, you know, they're, you know, it's often used in the U.S., in American culture as, you know, save your face. And I think, you know, the Chinese are going to be very careful about that. And there's, you know, that's a very important, their integrity is very important to them. So, you know, they're, they're the smartest traders in the world. They're really good negotiators, so I don't think we should discount that as well. This is probably going to get worked out because they don't want to, you know, they've run the, the price of beans up on themselves a little bit here, and so, you know, they're, they don't like that either. So this will have to get worked. This will get worked out one way or the other. Um, in U.S. agriculture, it's going to be, I think, it's going to be a rocky road and a lot of volatility. And so you add trade volatility on top of, oh, by the way, it's the growing season here. And you're going to get a lot of volatility in the, in the trade. Talking with Steve Nicholson, grains and oil seeds analyst for Robo Research. Now, Steve, uh, China, as you said, they're very smart. Uh, they're not just going to get totally dependent on us for everything. And so, That's right. uh, you know, they're, they're going to be smart about it. But the potential there, we've seen what the markets react, especially in soybeans yesterday. What is sure. the potential here, you think, market-wise? Well, I, I mean, I think, you know, when you look at the, there's a couple things I think we're all watching very carefully. And I, you know, as you said in my introduction, I'm a grain oil analyst, so I don't want to get too too afar in the animal protein sector, but I think you have to look at the fact is that, you know, there is, 
there is a potential for more beef, more pork, um, and more chicken into that part of the world, or, or products of that, um, you know, they as their income continues to grow and their economy continues to, to grow, as we've said along, and we've seen this, you know, time and time again around the world, you know, is that growing middle class, they want to move up the food chain if you have it, and eat better, and that tends to me tends to mean more animal protein products. So I think that's the one thing we have to keep in mind. That's a potential for U.S. agriculture, and it's for all agriculture, so I don't want to get that. The other thing is um, we did see the Chinese did sort of, you know, send that olive leaf last week on the sorghum thing. They dropped the anti-dumping investigation. The tariff is still in place, but probably, you know, I would, I, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself like we said off the top, but, you know, that tariff of 179% is probably is under review and will be looked at very carefully uh, going forward. And then there's the whole issue on ethanol. Uh, the, the Chinese want to increase their production of ethanol domestically. Uh, they're going to do that one way or the other, whether that's, I mean, they, you know, they don't have enough feed grains now, although they want to be feed grain um, uh, sufficient. Uh, so there's probably potential for corn to go there. Whether it's U.S. corn or Argentine corn or Brazilian corn or black sea corn, uh, the fact is that you have someone going to demand more corn in the world, and you've got to fill all those holes. I mean, all that demand's got to be filled from somewhere, and eventually the U.S. will, you know, if they're not the first one, they're going to fill, you know, backfill someplace else. Um, so, I, you know, there is, I guess you always want to be optimistic and think that, you know, this will get worked out and, and agriculture in the long run will benefit from it. It's just going to be maybe a little chaotic short term here. Yeah, until the sales are made and the, the grains delivered, you have to kind of temper yourself. But uh, we have markets in search right. of good news, and we know that the planting is caught up a big time, yep. and uh, and barring some real problems, we, we seem to be on our way towards a good production year. So uh, we need some good news, and the, this certainly came at a good time for that. Yeah, absolutely. And it, and it did, you know, the markets, and we've said, as we've talked before, you know, we get a crop planted. We've never not got a crop planted. It just sometimes goes in not maybe not as well as the market trade, but or market expects. But now we're we're here. You know, we still have concerns. I think obviously about the great the southern Great Plains, Kansas South on wheat. Uh, we have a little concern. You know, it's been pretty dry or pretty cold uh, and and wet in you know the Minnesota area. Uh, they've been a little bit behind there. I see they did do some catching up this past week in Minnesota uh, on a statewide basis. And so there are always pockets, and we always expect that. And the eastern corn belt is a little bit behind, which is not atypical for them. So, yeah, I mean, we've got, it looks like we're getting off to a good start. I was through parts of Iowa last week or two weeks ago. Uh, corn is up. It looks good. looks like it, a lot of it germinated. I'm going to head through parts of Illinois, um, central, up through Springfield, up into central Illinois this weekend. So I'll get a chance to see some of that. But, yeah, I think from a planning perspective, the fact this crop is, you know, we've got one leg, one leg down. We've got the crop in the ground, and we're getting we're getting it uh, germinated and, and emerged pretty well. So, with those concerns, for the most part eased, if there were any, even in, by the traders, uh, yep. they tend to focus on news like uh, this China announcement. Then, exactly, and and one of the things that we you know we've talked about is that you know all along, and this has gone on now for several years, you know we've seen this Chinese news. Uh, or this, we'll say this sort of, we're stepping back from the brink, I think is one of the quotes I saw in, in one of the newspaper articles this morning, is we stepped back from the brink, and the market has rewarded that by, you know, we're seeing beans up 7, 8 this morning, we're even seeing corn up 3 or 4 here this morning, um, and, and wheat, Kennedy wheat up almost 20 cents at this point. This is an opportunity 
um, to look at your look at your profit goals and can this does the board at this point and where your cash mark does this make does this make sense to get something done and it, it may in some in many cases it probably does warrant to reward the market and the chance time is rewarding you with higher prices that's where it gets interesting because yeah you got yeah. an opportunity right now whether we exactly. sell it or not just it you know the rumor or the uh, the talk about it is has caused the market to go up. But if you're sitting there thinking, wait, I'm hearing stories they're gonna they're just gonna keep buying and buying and buying. Well, no doubt the market will keep going higher. So then the, you you have to make that decision. Right, and you know you don't have to sell the whole farm. You know, sell start start the process. You know, in a sense, you know, average in like you would. You know, as in you know, equity people say, you you know, you average into a, a position. Same thing on the sell side. Average it, you know, sell. You know, we'll just throw, you know, sell 10% now, sell 10% next week if you think it's going up. But the fact is, it, it, it I guess, staying from the banker's point of view, uh, if you can uh, lock in a profit, it's pretty tough to go out of business. If you're, It's pretty tough to go out of business when you're locking in a profit. And that makes your banker happy and probably makes everyone in your family happy because you can go to bed at night and say, I have profit locked in. Locked in. And it's not, <clears throat> you know, people look, wow, I could have got higher. We need to think about... What are those costs, and then where do we go, and can we lock those profits in? And that's really important these days, because as we know, and, and we hate—I don't mean to throw cold water—but we know too if the, if, the, if the saber gets rattled again, we know what happened the market the first time this happened. So we don't want to get—you know—here's an opportunity. I think you have to take—you have to look at this as an opportunity and advantage to you. Yeah, because we we've seen it can go the other way, and and Absolutely. and in these times of where prices have not been where we'd like as we've talked yep. about there are oppor- the market will give you opportunities and here here is one that's right and we've seen this it's interesting i hadn't I, when you're saying, when you're asking the question i, I was it, it reminded me of we looked at last year and think about the last couple springs after planting kind of that may early june time period we saw a corn rally and we'll pick on corn a little bit we saw corn rally, and that was the opportunity to get some sales off at profitable levels. And then, as, as the season went on, you know, we didn't see the, you know, we saw corn go down. <coughs> Excuse me. And so, I think that's the thing um, we have to think about: is that, you know, we talked about how this crop, we've got it in the ground. Uh, we've seen the crop start to emerge. You know, what little I've seen looks good, um, and you know that the market will at some point, you know, particularly around that 4th of July holiday, and I always think about the calendar, will evaluate where we've been, what the crop looks like, what the prospects for weather are down the road, and think, hmm, maybe this is too high. Right. All right, Steve, good to talk with you. Thanks a lot. Good to talk to you. Thank you. Thanks. Good to talk to you as always. Steve Nicholson, Grains and Oil Seeds Analyst for Rabo Research. Coming up next, we're going to tell you about the World Meat Congress coming up. It'll be held in Dallas. We'll tell you all about it next on AOA Adams on Agriculture. All right, crew, let's get her dug. Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember? No matter how large or small, your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. You must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities. This includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines, electric, communication cables, and water and sewer lines. 
So before you do this, or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811. Brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture, presented by the American Ag Network. I'm Rusty Halverson. In the grain and oil seed sector, we've got positive signs underway on a Tuesday morning, trending seven to eight cents higher in soybean futures, three and a fraction better in corn an hour into the trading day. Wheat futures, 16 to 17 higher in the winter wheats of Chicago and Kansas City. Minneapolis spring wheat, a dime to 12 and a half cents higher. In soybeans, July gapped higher to begin the trading week, and we continue the rally on this Tuesday. The 20-day moving average is first resistance for July soybeans. A close above that zone would accelerate bullish momentum. 20-day moving average at 1025 and three quarters. Corn planting progress reaching 81% complete nationwide as of Sunday. Progress jumping 19 points last week. In corn, we're trending three and a fraction higher an hour into the day with July at 406 and a quarter, up three and a half cents. On the upside, the 407 and a half to 408 and a quarter ceiling said to be formidable resistance for July corn. July Chicago wheat, the burden lies on the bulls to support a rally and a close above 525 and a half to open the door to further gains. Livestock at the Merck, turnaround Tuesday and cattle futures trending 20 to 52 cents lower after sharp gains on Monday. Feeder cattle 22 to 52 cents lower. Cash cattle bids and asking prices expected to remain poorly defined in the central and southern plains on this Tuesday. In lean hog futures were trending 60 to $1.17 lower on the futures board. Cash being called steady on this Tuesday. Outside markets on Wall Street, the Dow is down 27, NASDAQ up 21, crude up a dime. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. If you or your family love the freedom of swimming any time of year, if you love sharing good times and making great memories, or if you want one of the best total body workouts ever, then it's time to discover the three C's of your very own endless pool. The first C is convenience. Imagine swimming year-round in your own private swimming pool, installed indoors or out just steps away. The second C is comfort. With sculpted spa seats and your own adjustable temperature, you can easily escape the stress of your day. And the third C is cost. Your endless pool is an affordable luxury at a fraction of the cost of a regular pool. And here's a bonus C, choice. Because when you call for your free endless pool idea kit, you'll receive information on our full line of pools to suit your budget and location. Call now for your free information, 800-717-0734, 800-717-0734. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Welcome back. The 22nd World Meat Congress will be held in Dallas, Texas next week, starting on May 30th, running through June 1st. I'll be broadcasting from the World Meat Congress on Thursday, July, uh, Thursday, May 31st, and Friday, June 1st. And here to talk about the, the event is Phil Singh. He is CEO Emeritus for the U.S. Meat Export Federation. Phil, good to talk with you again. Thanks for joining us. It's great to be with you. How are you doing this morning? Very good. Tell us, are, are you on speakerphone by any chance? Uh, yes, I am. 
Could you switch off that to the handset? I think we could get a little, hear you a little better if you could do that for us. Okay. Yeah, sounds much better. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. All right, Phil, tell us about the World Meat Congress. Uh, some people may not, it's the 22nd but uh, uh, event, but uh, some people may not be familiar with it. Tell us about it. Yeah, the World Meat Congress is, is a, a meeting that's hosted every other year by the International Meat Secretariat, which is headquartered in Paris, France. And what the, the World Meat Congress is, it's about 40 countries uh, with about 700 people that will be arriving in Dallas. Uh, probably about 200 international buyers from uh, all parts of the globe. But the USMEF alone will have 14 international trade teams there. So it's going to be an opportunity for the U.S. to really extol the U.S. production model, which you know has been under siege for many, many years as far as some of our competitors. Uh, the IMS is a very trade-progressive organization, and the theme of the whole meeting is basically trusting in trade. So it's going to be a couple days really devoted to trade, and what we can do from the United States standpoint to uh, re-engage as far as uh, uh, our friends uh, around the world. You've got some pretty high-level speakers that will be in attendance. Yeah, I think that uh, really there's some real key themes that we're concerned about. I think number one is uh, when we talk about our speakers, we want the best and the brightest to be involved with that. So we've started out with Sonny Perdue. We also have uh, Lawrence McCulley from, uh, from Canada, the Minister of Agriculture from Canada. And we also have uh, Luis Miguel Echeverere, who is the Ag Minister from Argentina. And, of course, as you know, he's uh, in the Macri regime that replaced the Kirchner regime that was very isolationist, isolationist and actually was uh, a pretty regressive as far as trade. So uh, I think they can speak to all of these three gentlemen, can speak to the benefits of trade and how important trade is to agriculture, because we do know that protectionism is basically the enemy of agriculture. And then you have a number of sessions uh, with some key uh, uh, people in different segments of the industry, as well as from uh, uh, different uh, areas, uh, such as colleges and uh, ag firms, uh, ag groups. Uh, there'll be a lot of people involved in this event. Yes, there is. Um, I, mean, I think after we have the, the ministers on board, we're going to talk about the outlook for the global trading system. We'll have the, uh, the top negotiator from the NAFTA from Mexico will be there. We'll have a top gentleman in trade from Europe, and we'll have Ted McKinney from the United States. And Darcy Vetter, who we all know, will be chairing that session, and, and that should be a very good discourse as far as what do we see as far as the future and how that's going to look as far as the trade situation. And then we have some other sessions that are going to talk, talk about really what are the major factors that are affecting red meat trade, and this can be from... Uh, uh, from the standpoint of our competitors, it'll be a good economic analysis of what's going on. We'll have uh, people there from McVean Trading. Uh, we'll have someone who will talk about the Americas from Rabo Bank. And we're going to have, of course, a Chinese from Kofco, which is now a, a company that's almost the size of Cargill. So very, very important as far as that's concerned. And then in addition to that, uh, we also talk about what's cutting edge. And, and, you know, in the United States, I think we stand for being science-based and science-based trade. So we really want to underscore what's really next. Gary Smith, we, who we all know, will be uh, chairing that session, and we'll be talking about uh, uh, blockchain technology. This is something that's rather new. We'll be talking about uh, gen genomics and, and biotechnology. We'll be talking about the CRISPR technology. So there's going to be a lot here to really showcase science and the role of science in our production. And then, of course, as you know, we deal a lot with consumers and these changing consumer norms. And we're going to talk to people that, that will be able to talk about that both from a corporate standpoint as well as from an association standpoint. 
And then the last session is really going to be devoted on really tomorrow's consumer. Consumers, are you ready? And uh, with the change of the millennials to the Generation Zs to all the differences that are going on, uh, this is an opportunity for people to really share information and uh, to really be updated on what's uh, what's what's new and what's what's ahead for us. Really, that's it's really all about the future. Talking with Phil Singh, CEO Emeritus for the U.S. Meat Export Federation, looking ahead to next week's 22nd World Meat Congress that will be held in Dallas. Phil, meat in the news a lot right now with meat imitation products and how the uh, the meat industry is is dealing with that. And we're talking about labeling and and consumer awareness and transparency. Will those topics be discussed as well? Yes, we'll be talking about, of course, uh, the non-traditional foods, including the meat alternatives. There'll be discussions about sustainability, animal welfare. A lot of these uh, these areas will be touched upon. And, of course, there's, you know, with all these types of things, there's going to be global, uh, in the global trading system, there's going to be rules that are applied to all this. So I think that this is something that we're going to have to take a look at. And uh, for us, I think it's it's to really talk about the universe as far as what's ahead as far as the U.S. red meat industry and what other industries are, are, are looking at as well. And there's no doubt that trade's going to be a, 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 big, uh, <laughs> it's a big issue, and it's going to be that the presence of trade issues will be in the room, no doubt, with what's happening with NAFTA and now the China news. All that will be a part of the, uh, the environment that will be in the climate of this meeting, right? Yes, if you t- just take a look, you know, the United States, from the get-go of this new administration, announced that we're going to have free, fair, and reciprocal trade. And, of course, what does that mean exactly? And I think we're going to be talking about this, especially in a world where there's rising protectionism, and at a time when maybe the U.S., more than anyone else, is actually de-emphasizing the role of the WTO. As you know, that's on life support, and that's the rules-based trading system. So what stands... You know, what's next if you take a look at that? And, of course, that's maybe what you'd call this unilateralism that we're starting to see. And there's there's pluses and minuses to that. So that's going to be discussed, the role of globalization, the role of uh, of new technology, and, and this whole fourth industrial revolution that's going on now I think is going to be very important. And, and I think one of the things a lot of us that do have some time and grade as far as in the industry you know, when we had these Russian grain embargoes back in the 80s and the soybean embargoes to Japan in the 70s, there was a lot of talk in, in the day about how can we isolate agriculture from trade disputes. And I think we need to resurrect that discussion again because all of a sudden we're starting to see as we get involved with all these other areas, especially with China, on aluminum and on steel and stealing intellectual property, why is it that agriculture has to pay the price for this? And so I think that where we talk about precision agriculture, I think we can have more precision when it comes to our negotiations and, and trade negotiations. And so I think we, this, is, this, to me, would be a very worthy discussion, which we will have discussed at this meeting. So I think all the key issues that are out there are going to be addressed. And, and I'd just like to cordially invite everybody who's listening in, if they can make it to Dallas next week, there, it's going to be a very, very illuminating uh, last couple of days of the week next week. You know, you touched on something that I've often talked about and wondered about. You know, if we could just do ag-only deals when it comes to trade, instead of getting caught up in the wash of all the other things that go on, and we know that these trade deals are are complicated and they cover a lot of areas and a lot of different things, but we tend to focus on agriculture and get frustrated why we get caught up in it. But, yeah, if we could just have ag-only trade deals, I it wouldn't be easy, but it would certainly seem to be easier than what we have right now to get something done. 
Yeah, I think that right now I think we're starting to see this, that agriculture does pay the price, and I think we even heard the Commerce Secretary indicate that, you know, this is just the cost of doing business. But I, I think all of us in agriculture, knowing that, you know, last year we exported $140 billion in ag products. You know, the U.S. agriculture has been one of the only sectors in U.S. commerce that's been in the black consistently for decades. Uh, this is something that this is in our national interest. Uh, this is a national treasure we have as U.S. agriculture. And so I think the more that we can extol the uniqueness of this and what it brings to the world, you know, we, we've, we've gone for years and you've been overseas extolling our reliability as a supplier. And I have to ask the question after all these years, are we more reliable today than we were a decade ago or two decades ago? And I think a lot of our international buyers are really questioning this at this point in time. So, yeah, I think we've paid a price already uh, for, uh, for intellectual property. We've paid a price for steel and aluminum. We've paid a price, I think, when it comes to autos. And, you know, I could go on for days about uh, the U.S. experience, for example, in Japan on beef versus the, the U.S. experience in Japan on autos. And uh, we, we've done a tremendous job there uh, over the years. And so I think that this is something we really need to take a look at is another look at uh, how can we negotiate how can we isolate and insulate U.S. agriculture from some of this other stuff that's going to go on? Because there's going to be many, many new things that are going on. And as we suffer these consequences, it makes us less reliable in the eyes of the buyer. And that's, that's what we've been trying to extol for all these years is our reliability. A country might not be food self-sufficient, but they can be food secure with the United States. I think that's question today right now. All right, Phil. Very important meeting coming up. Lots to talk about. We'll see you next week in Dallas, okay? Look forward, look forward to it. All right, take care. Phil Singh, CEO Emeritus for the U.S. Meat Export Federation. Again, the 22nd World Meat Congress will be held next week in Dallas, and I'll be broadcasting from there here on AOA. I'll be broadcasting Thursday, May 31st, Friday, June 1st from Dallas and the World Meat Congress. As he said, we'll hear from Secretary of Agriculture, Sonny Perdue. We'll hear from the Canadian Minister of Agriculture. We'll hear from... Uh, Ted McKinney, our Undersecretary for Trade and Foreign Ag Affairs. We'll hear from the Chief Negotiator of NAFTA for uh, Mexico. So uh, a very impressive uh, list of speakers, some important topics, as Phil just outlined for us. And we'll be covering that for you next week here on Adams on Agriculture. What about NAFTA? We're not hearing a lot of positive news right now, at least not about anything getting done quickly. This could uh, drag on into next year, it looks like. We're going to get a Canadian perspective on the NAFTA talks and how they're playing in Canada. Sean Haney from Real Agriculture will be joining us next to get his perspective on the NAFTA talks. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. I'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better. How do I know? Because I'm Howard Dvorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly two decades, we've helped over 5 million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, don't wait. Simply pick up the phone and find out what our Freedom Quest program can do for you. Reducing your payments by up to 50% is just the beginning, but you have to take the first step. When credit card debt is the problem, 
We're the solution. Call Consolidated Credit now. As soon as you call, the hard part is over. Call Consolidated Credit now. 1-800-489-7204. 1-800-489-7204. That's 1-800-489-7204. 5701 Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Licensed debt management service provider, Vermont and New York Banking Departments, Maryland 49, Oregon DM80031. What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is Mobile Help, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with Mobile Help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile Help did save my life. No question about that. Call Mobile Help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, the waterproof pendant and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your plan purchase. Remember, mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago. If you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and free information on today's Craftmatic adjustable beds. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Rated number one by consumers nationwide on ConsumerAffairs.com. Craftmatic beds come in all mattress types, including cool gel memory foam for up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Enjoy temporary relief of low back pain, poor circulation, nighttime heart for a mild arthritis. You'll sleep better in a Craftmatic adjustable bed. So if you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and information. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Discover Craftmatic for less, up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Call 1-800-318-7903. That's 1-800-318-7903. 1-800-318-7903. Call now. The mighty Prosoro, king of fungicides. Its fast action and long residual make it the keeper of grain quality and yield. The hammer of head and leaf diseases. The number one reducer of scab. When your goal is greater wheat quality and higher yield, use Prosoro fungicide, and the crown of higher profit will be yours. Learn more at prosoro.us. Always read and follow label instructions. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I'd wake up with a sore neck or maybe a headache. Or I'd feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. Well, when I invented my pillow, I wanted it so you could adjust the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster and you will stay there longer. It's not how much time we spend in bed. It's how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all my own manufacturing in my home state of Minnesota. with a 10-year warranty. And you can wash and dry my pillow. And here's my best offer ever. Get four my pillows for the price of one. That's right. Get four my pillows. Two premium pillows and two travel pillows for the price of one. Order my pillow at 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. Get four my pillows for the price of one. Call 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. Go to mypillow.com and at checkout use promo code FARM11.
information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. So we're talking a lot about trade today and the excitement over China. And I'm not trying to pour cold water on it. I'm excited, too, about the possibility and the potential. And that's certainly rather talk about that than what we've been talking about, and that's being trade wars and tariffs and countervailing duties and things like that. So uh, just trying to keep a, a, a dose of realism here, too, and so we don't get too overboard and uh, not, you know, uh, kind of spend what we don't have yet until uh, they sign the contracts and we actually are, are sending the ships over there full of grain uh, more than we have now, you know, uh, then, then – until then, we need to just kind of wait and see how all the details work out. But but there's great uh, potential and hope there for sure. I don't know what the hope is right now on NAFTA. I mean, the hope is it'll still get done, but it's uh, sounding more and more like it's going to take a while. Let's get a Canadian perspective of it, a perspective on this from our friend Sean Haney with Real Agriculture. Hi, Sean. How are you? I'm doing great today, Mike. It's uh, summer finally feels like it's here, although we could use some rain. Yeah, what is uh, your planting progress uh, there in Canada? Uh, things are right on the average, maybe a little bit ahead of schedule on the western prairies, very much similar to the Dakotas and you know Montana. We need rain. <laughs> it, it's pretty dry. Uh, we're already in the temperatures of uh, like 30, above 30 Celsius. So, yeah, things are pretty hot and dry here, so we could definitely uh, we could use some sprinkles from above. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, um, what are you seeing and hearing uh, in Canada when it comes to NAFTA? Any more optimism uh, on your side of the border? Yeah, well, I heard you, your comments there about China. Definitely more reasons to be optimistic about how that's progressing at a, at a different speed. And NAFTA has really slowed down. It's, it's a pace that is what you would call kind of stalled out. You know, we had this Paul Ryan congressional deadline of May 17th. We blew right through that. And nobody really seemed to care that much. And, and then we, now we're debating, you know, was it really a deadline and what could happen with the ITC and could they speed up their schedule if we were to come to a quick agreement? I think what's playing out here is that there is no quick resolution to this. And everybody is now talking about uh, the potential of a 2019 uh, deadline or, or more realistic, I think, deadline. Even people like Steve Mnuchin, the Treasury, Treasury Secretary, is, is mentioning 2019 and getting the right deal. So it, it seems like due to the Mexican election, the complexity of issues, and the fact there's U.S. midterms coming up in the fall, this thing has slowed down to a very, very uh, snail's pace. But that doesn't mean that there's not going to be a deal. I don't think that should be taken as a negative. I just think this is the realities of most free trade agreements. It, what's curious, though, is that this is much different than what we're seeing with what the U.S. did with South Korea. This is much different than what you're seeing with the U.S. trying to do with China, where those, those, those agreements came to very quickly. I, I, I think that should be taken as a little bit of an indication that what's being, nego- I'm, the, what's being negotiated between the U.S. and China is not really like a free trade deal. It's an agreement on a couple particulars. Yeah, I guess we, you know, we wanted to get it done so quickly that uh, we probably lost track or lost sight of some realities here that this was going to be complicated it was going to take time and uh so probably uh it's more about what would be expected in a in, 
in a time frame for negotiating such a complex deal, right? I mean, we, we probably yeah. set some unrealistic expectations on a timeline. Well, and I think a couple things have, have happened here, and, and one of them being that you know, the Trump administration sort of set that aggressive timeline. We were just going to wrap this up before the end of 2017, and we are going to move on to other things like you know, battling China. And that hasn't happened. Canada and Mexico really have been quite resolute in some of their lines in the sand on certain issues. You know, we only have nine of 30 chapters resolved. So we have a lot, you know, I, I think USTR Robert Lighthizer last week, his comments about how, you know, we have, we're nowhere near close to a deal. He, he said it in his kind of crusty sort of way, but it really was the truth. We, we are, we do have a lot of stuff to do. And, and of course, the, the access into Canada for U.S. dairy products is one of those major agricultural issues that has not been sorted out. Uh, I think from a U.S. dairy standpoint, this being dragged into 2019 is not a bad thing for market access into Canada. I, I think from a Canadian perspective, there has to be a little bit of a concern about this dragging in 2019, especially if we get that democratic wave in the, in the midterms like people are talking about. And uh, the more people talk about a good deal for the U.S. and dealing with some of these key, key issues. One of those issues is dairy, and so it's going to be more and more difficult for Canada to kind of stand uh, firm and, and not allow any access whatsoever in the longer-term sort of negotiation. There's going to have to be some sort of compromise on the Canadian part. Hmm, that's interesting. So you think the longer the talks go, that puts more pressure on Canada to make changes in dairy? Well, I, I think so, Mike, and, and the reason is because we're actually treating it like a real free trade agreement, not just uh, you know negotiating a deal over 18 holes of golf. And, and, and so under a quick deal scenario, some of these other issues didn't get dealt with. It was really about fixing auto. And, and now as it gets drug out and we actually do deal with maybe all 30 chapters with some sort of attention it probably does mean that dairy gets more and more addressed. I think that's, that's how I would look at it here, here today based on where we sit, uh, where we sit right now. And you, you're hearing Canada talking about how you know, we heard the Prime Minister Trudeau say last week, we are close to a deal. We're down to a point where there's a good deal on the table. And, and, and so Canada continues to be really super positive. I think Canada's been hoping at this point in the last three months that a quick deal could be could be put together, and the U.S. would get kind of frustrated, sign it, and move on. And it looks like right now we're we're all, all three countries are kind of settling in that yeah we're going to take some time on this. So, but once again, that's not a negative. I think it's just the reality of how most free trade agreements work. Good perspective. Good to talk with you again, Sean. I, hey, I see your Blue Jays. You're only three games under 500. You're hanging in there. Oh, we we've been sliding. We've been sliding, sliding, sliding. It's got to improve. The bat's got to get rolling. Yeah, you're in a tough division. You're ten and a half out already. Meanwhile, my Cardinals, hey, we're uh, seven games over 500, looking a little better. So uh, hanging in there. Hey, we'll talk baseball and trade and a lot of other things next time we visit. Thanks, Sean. Hey, thanks a lot, Mike. Appreciate it. Take care. Sean Haney from Real Agriculture. All right, coming up tomorrow, the chairman of the House Agriculture Committee, Chairman Mike Conway, scheduled to be with us. We'll get more about how he sees this uh, next farm bill vote playing out and uh, the immigration issue and all that. So that's coming up tomorrow. I hope you'll join us right here on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Have a great day.